Hello, this is Daryl here, sending love as always. Thank you for tuning in. I just want to say, if you like this interview, you can check our website for companion workbooks, action guides, tools, checklists, templates, and show notes with links for everything mentioned on the call. Just visit bestbusinesscoach.ca. That's best, B-E-S-T, businesscoach.ca. Enjoy. Hi, I'm Daryl Urbanski, and welcome to the Best Business Podcast. My mission is to help create 200 new multimillionaire business owners. How? You'll do better when you know better. In my interviews, you'll hear from self-made millionaires, seven-figure business owners, authors, and world-class experts sharing how they did it so you can too without experiencing the same obstacles they did. Now, if you like this interview, please share it with a friend you think will benefit. They'll appreciate it, and I will as well. You can also connect with me on social media. Look for Daryl Urbanski, D-A-R-Y-L, Urban Ski, U-R-B-A-N-S-K-I, and add me so we can be friends. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy what I've prepared for you right here, right now. So Daryl, welcome to the show. Reed, thank you for having me. Sorry, I was swallowing some water. <laughs> I was like, let me take I a like to do that. I, yeah, I like to wait. Wait till someone takes a gulp of water or a bite, right. and then even though I can't see you, I can sense it. Right, right. right. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> hey, tell us, uh, give us your story. Let's hear where you where you've been and what you're doing, and then we'll dive into some of your your good content. Sure. Well, I guess for interviews like this, most often I'm sought out because I've got a reputation for building seven figure income streams, automated income streams from scratch. As far as where I've been. I think I, a lot of people can relate from a young age. I've always kind of been on the grind. I didn't necessarily know, like I grew up in Canada, which isn't so much entrepreneurial. At least the town I was in wasn't very entrepreneurial, but I was always delivering papers, doing babysitting, lemonade stand. You know, I did College Painter Pro. I tried a bunch of different things. I did the freelance model, and I often felt like I didn't like accepting. Like a lot of people just want to clock in, clock out, and go home. But I'm really addicted to just trying to be the best at whatever and just, you know, it doesn't have to be, I mean, obviously it's great to be world best at something, but I just want to be the best I can be at whatever I'm doing. So my whole life, I've always done that. When I've been employed somewhere, I've always kind of overreached my position because I'm like, hey, there's a better way to do things. And not everyone's always been open to that. So I've done a number of things. Like I said, I was freelance. I lived in Tokyo for a while. I did consulting with, I started off with English teaching and I got into consulting with a firm called Seven Seas Consulting. Their main client was Microsoft and they put me on their Shinsei Bank account and Johnson & Johnson and Tokyo Electron and I did a lot of team building and group coaching and leadership training and international cultural, what do you call that? I guess not, anyways, because it was Japan. It's an island, so some of it was also cultural stuff. And I, you know, and as I said, I've done a lot of different models. I've done a franchise model. I've done a freelancer model. I've, I've done a whole lot of different things. And so now I've kind of gone on my way and I, I had a couple of failed businesses on the way. I had a vending machine business that, Really had a ton of potential, but I just didn't have the resources. I just come back from after living abroad for three years, and so it never really went anywhere. And then I had a martial arts school, and that was just because I'd come back and I didn't want to pay to train at a local gym, what was more than I was paying when I was in Tokyo. And in Tokyo, I was training with Hicks and Gracie, who's like a living legend. He's like a walking god. And here I was paying more money and working with a guy that you know was not much better than I was. So I opened up my <laughs> own gym and. And grew it to six figures in about a year, year and a half. And then I had five instructors and a couple of sales reps and got bored. And I sold a $10,000 travel package to go back to Japan and do all my favorite things from the three years I stayed there. And 
right before I was doing that, I, I was helping some of my friends with their businesses. And one of my friends, Corey, he'd been just kind of a, like a, a satellite office sales rep for a company. And they ended up promoting him to CEO of like a $1.2 million company out of Ottawa. And right before I went to Japan to go on this $10,000 trip, take a group of people that I'd, I'd sold into the package, he called me and was like, Daryl, I just got promoted to CEO. I'm like, Corey, that's great. He's like, no, you don't understand. I've never been CEO before. I can't do this without you. I need you. And he offered me a consulting retainer to be available mm-hmm. for some phone calls. And I was like, really? I was like, all right, let me think about it. And then when I was in Japan, I realized, you know, like my membership school, my, my martial arts school is going great, but it's still kind of like retail. It's still like a grind. And I was like, wow, I'm a couple of things. One, I recognize that his business served that he had just become CEO of served about 2,000 other business owners, at least, if not more. And I was thinking about, because I just, I love testimonials. I really do love testimonials. I love feeling like my, what I do in my life makes a difference for other people. And so I always loved the testimonials I would get at my martial arts school. And I realized that through him, I might be able to affect a ton of other business owners and not only affect them, but affect their customers. And so for me, like a light bulb went off that I could have an exponential impact, impact if I help business owners instead. So when I came back from Japan, I accepted Corey's offer, and then I wrote some books. I call them business books for busy people, put them up on Amazon, and started practicing what I preach behind one of them, which seemed to be getting more interest, Ancient Secrets of Lead Generation, Your Guide to Better Leads with Less Effort. And it hit number one on Amazon for the top 100 in marketing and sales. I use that to get on television, radio, newspaper, put together a business coaching program, and I you know, and I just kind of went on from there. I actually went to San Diego, worked with John Asaraf and his business, and helped him make about $3.5 million in eight months. 1.6 of that was automated income, you know, and automated, I mean, automated, not like your sleep, I mean, automated in the sense that it's extremely flat, two staff, a ton of automated software services and programs that did the, the bulk, 90, 95% of the legwork but you still need a couple of staff, still need someone to respond to customer service emails, you know, stuff like that. Uh, and anyway, so then after that, I went on and he's done about seven and a half million since that. I, in my podcast, I have two interviews with people I worked with at the time. And so in less than three years, that automated funnels in about seven and a half million. And then since that, I've done a couple others for some other people. One of them just wants to remain private. She doesn't want anyone knowing about her industry. And so that's kind of it. I got known for that as my claim to fame. And I launched a podcast because through what I've done and networking with people, I happen to develop a, a really amazing network of people. And I, I, so I set a goal once, sorry, I don't hope I'm not jumping around, but I set a goal to generate a million dollars by April 14th, 2014, which was my, the day before my birthday. And it was like April fool's day. And I was kind of like bummed out cause I was making a ton of money working with John, right? We're, we got this campaign doing amazing things, but I didn't have a million dollars. And then that was like my mantra, my daily goal, right? If anyone's read think or grow rich, that was like my wake up, read it every day mission, you know? And mm-hmm. my friend said, well, what about this automated thing, this funnel, this evergreen funnel you built for John? And I was like, you're right. And I went and I looked at the office and I realized we'd done 1.2 million. And by my birthday, we will have done 1.6 million, which would be a clear million dollars. And I realized I wasn't saying who I wanted to make the million dollars for. I just said I wanted to make a million dollars. So clarity in your goals is everything. Right. <laughs> so, you have to attach yourself to that. Right. And so I told my friend, he said, Daryl, if I knew the people you knew could have the conversations you have with them, I'd be doing multi-million dollar campaigns as well. And so that's what sparked the idea for my podcast. And so really what I do now is I've got a couple of high, high-end clients that I work with and a business coaching group. And then I'm working on a, on a low-ticket membership program. Like, a, like under $50 for people that, you know, aren't ready for those levels, but still need guidance. Because I know for myself, I spent a good $70,000 on seminars, workshops, coaching, education, training, mentorship, mastermind, like name it. I was just spending everything I was making on coaching, training, education. And I, I and, and, and I'm not naming names or anything, but I honestly felt like, like a lot of courses, 
you know, you go through a six hour course and you're like, there was a half hour content in that and a lot of fluff. You know, it's like when you read a book and you're like, that book could have been right. in one chapter, you know? And so right. I just felt like that. And so, but it's expensive and it's time consuming. And so I feel like I want my chance to help people. And so that's really what I'm about today. I have a mission to help create 200 new multimillionaire business owners. How? You'll do better when you know better. <laughs> that was a mouthful. You, so. <laughs> So I love it. I love your energy and, and I can see why you've been able to do so many different things. You, you move quickly. So talk about some of your challenges. Pick one. You said there was a, a business that you got into. You were trying to get into the vending machine business and, you, and it just didn't, I guess you didn't, couldn't capitalize it. But maybe just talk about one that, maybe talk through that. Talk through that. What was, what was one of your failures that, sure. And what did you, what did you learn from it? I mean, it's kind of a can, it's a, nor, it's a, question everybody asks, but I, I'm always fascinated with that. Like, what did you learn from your failure? Sure. Yeah. What they say? They say success is many fathers, but failures and orphans. So nobody wants to own the failures, right? No one's like, right. everyone steps back. They're like, I wasn't mine. I'll totally own my failure. I, I got involved with Panasonic. I lived in Japan. They had these massage chairs that were amazing when you sit. In fact, I have one in my living room actually. So they retail, I think for about, at least when I was doing this is seven grand. And so when I, I was, like I said, I was in Japan, there was a mall near my house and they had these, these massage chairs and when you sit in it, it would scan your back because you're different than the other one. Cause they got those shiatsu chairs where like the, the blocks move, right? But I mean, sometimes you're like, ow, right? Like I did a Thai massage course when I was in Thailand and you're not supposed to massage bone. And so that was the thing that I realized that these things kind of hurt sometimes. I was a bigger guy. I'm six foot four. When I was in Japan, I loved it because it would measure me and then it would massage me and it wouldn't like, it didn't ever, you know, it would hurt, but because it's, it was a good hurt like that, a knot. And so when I came back in the mall near my, where, where my parents were and I grew up, there was like those clunky older ones. And I was like, you know, this, like there's, this place is ripe for like a better technology to just come through and just, you know, provide a better service in this respect. So I started looking into vending machines. I found out that it's like percentage of foot traffic. It's like 0.5 to 3% of foot traffic will make a purchase depending on what your vending service is. And so you try to get foot traffic estimates and, and go from there. And so I was like, great. Cause I have this whole thing that there are hunters, gatherers, farmers, and trappers. And so a gatherer is like an employee. They go to the money tree every day. They get whatever berries that tree produces. Maybe you don't get a lot of hours this week. Maybe you do, right? That's like whatever the vine, whatever grapes are on the vine. Hunters are like freelancers, self-employed people. They go look for the big buffalo. They get the big kill. They drag it home. They cut it up themselves. But it's a lot of work often. It's long days. And if you can't go out and do the hunting, often you don't eat. A doctor can make a six-figure income. But if they don't show up and seek patients every day, they don't make anything. So that's like a hunter. And then the trapper is someone that would set up like a money trap, like a vending machine or a website or something like that where again it's a trap it's something where you've got like a vending machine like a candy vending machine is a great idea like there's some you know it's not a shiny object but it's a sweet object inside people come up they put money in they get it and the owners doing other things and then the business becomes about setting up these traps and maintaining them and the effort is in building it and making sure that you've done the proper research and you're on the right trail you've got you know what i mean you got the right bait all that sort of stuff but then after it's just about maintaining and growing and then the farmers, mm -hmm. farmers comes from real estate. Real estate was, and this is, and this is where I actually learned more about marketing, because realtors used to farm neighborhoods. And what that meant was they would pick a subdivision and they would just farm it in the sense of they would knock on everyone's door, they would introduce themselves, shake everyone's hands, they would distribute a weekly newsletter to all the houses, they would have like open houses and they'd have like block parties and barbecues just to get to know everybody, because they knew if they befriended the community and became a trusted, uh, a trusted advisor and and someone that they could 
trust and rely on and depend on and come to with their questions, that they would also be the people, the person that they go to when they want to sell their house or buy a new one. So they would farm a community. And that's where you always hear right now, like people, if you ever hear people talking about building a list and nurturing your following and that, that's really what that's about. It's about having a tribe of people, a following that you nurture and take care of and become their go-to person because you kind of help filter the nonsense and the BS and, you know, and so anyway, so I, I was a big fan of that and I got into, I thought I wanted to start building traps. So I got this vending machine. I work with Panasonic Canada and they sold me one at about half price on the promise that if this thing took off, I'd be buying tens and hundreds of these. And I got a electronic company to fit it with a, like an electronic piece where you put in a coin, it would run for five minutes and I got it all set up. But then I realized the town I was in, there was only two places I had the number amount of foot traffic I needed in order to make what I needed to make. And so I tried one, which was inside of an office building, insurance office building, but they, their numbers didn't match up. And I sat there once all day and I counted people and there was less than half the amount of foot traffic they told me there was in there. And so the real place I wanted to get into was Queen's University because uh, it's a university campus, put it inside the, the Queen's gym. There's just a ton of people in there all day, every day. But the problem I had there was in the campus, it was like management by committees and not just one committee, but like seven committees overseeing like one decision. I bought like 12 lunches and spent three months like schmoozing people in that. And two people were uncomfortable with the idea of having a paid service in a student area. And so they axed it. And then so that's where I didn't have a vehicle at the time. I just come back from Japan and all sorts of other stuff. And it's like relocating. I come back to Japan, went to Africa for nine weeks, did a ton of traveling. And so I didn't have a car at the time. It was me my girlfriend was saving up to get a house and so I didn't have a way to transport this thing around and that's really where the business like I said it just couldn't go anywhere so what I did find out is I found a, I had a couple of friends who were pregnant and they were spending a ton of money on chiropractors and this thing is certified by the American Chiropractic Association to be the equivalent 15 minutes in this chair is the equivalent of a chiropractic adjustment so I started uh, renting it out to pregnant women with a disclaimer that you know like I'm not responsible for anything like you're doing this on your own and charging a monthly fee and I did that for a while and then I just got involved in other projects and I never really went back to it and took it off and that was one where I started to feel like it's a lot of people they start if, if anyone remembers those old radios where you turn the dial and you kind of get the signal it's a little staticky and you dial it in and you know it becomes clear you know it's any in any business you keep hammering at that nut you keep chipping away and, and pounding on your craft and eventually the signal gets stronger and stronger and stronger and then something clicks and I was on that path that way but I just kind of got I had other priorities at the time and that's it I just didn't pursue it you know so how did what did you feel like you learned from that well, I learned that the marketing was a huge part of it. I learned that pre-selling something before you launch it is a fantastic idea to get pre-orders. In fact, there's right. a gym in Canada. We've got, I think you got 24-hour fitness in the States, but here we've got one called Good Life. And I noticed that nearby, like there's a mall and... They set up a trailer and there was a building that they were renovating and they were set up a trailer outside, like a truck trailer that transports fruit and whatever. And they set it up into an office and they were pre, like people were getting a discount on their memberships by signing up early and they're doing all their marketing in advance. And I realized when these guys launch, they're going to have at least some sort of member base that will help cover their monthly overhead. And they haven't even finished the build out of the place. And that's so different than, you know, if you open up an ice cream shop, right, buying all the supply, getting the, the, the neon sign made, signing the lease, like all this stuff. I knew a guy that opened up an MMA school, signed a five-year lease, and after about 18 months, you know, couldn't afford to run the school and was like 60 grand in debt simply because he had to buy himself out of that lease. You know, so it's just, Ooh. it's a huge overhead. So the, the, you know, people often feel they have to do a heck of a lot more to get up and running. Like just, I mean, one of the things that if, whether you're looking to launch a new product line or anything, I mean, just pre-sell it. Just, can you get 20 orders? Can you get 20, 25 orders? You know, and, right. and, and if you can, 
then you know there's some life in what you're trying to do. You just got to be careful because if the whole value of what you're promising is that the big discount people are getting, discount's a terrible way to say, sell stuff because then you only attract cheap buyers, people that are looking for a discount. And then at the same time, it, there's it's like Walmart. Walmart's in trouble because they're they're the low cost seller, which means that like there's no nothing stopping someone else, even if they're suicidal, coming in and trying to undercut them. Do you know what I mean? And so even if they're suicidal, right. they'll undercut you, but it's enough to mess with your business. So Right, right. So Hey Daryl, so talk talk to us about your daily business development habits. You talk I know you've you've talked a lot about that. You you've trained a lot on that. I'd like to hear more about that because I think that's an area that can be either either you're not doing enough of it or you well, so in my mind, two problems. One, you're just not doing it right, or you're just you're not doing it enough or, or both. Right. So, so there's a few things to this. And I, I mean, from what you told me about who the listeners are. So the first off is development. It needs to be work on your team. That's a big thing that every day you'd be building your team, taking care of your team. You get what you inspect. So being involved with your team is a really important thing. If you don't have a team, then that's a red flag right there because then you've got no support. I'm still getting things accomplished in my business and for my clients while I'm here doing this interview because I have a team of 12 people who support me whether I'm there or not. So having a team and, and being a part and, and that's like a, almost like a family and, and growing it and nurturing it and you know what I mean? And investing investing in the people. That's a really important thing. And so, you know, I'm not really tied to like putting in an eight hour day. I'm really tied to results based stuff. So setting weekly goals, monthly goals and having my team and like, not just for the team, but for myself and with the team. Like right now I've got everyone doing certain courses, try to upgrade their skills. And we got like weekly goals that we're trying to accomplish as well. So that's a big thing too. try to keep, stay in touch with your team, keep progress moving forward 24 hours a day, seven days a week, whether you're working or not. Another thing that's a business process is you have to keep improving your conversion rates. And that's, where for a lot of people, they're not even really sure what's getting them the sales in their business. They're doing a whole lot of things and they think they kind of know, but they're not really sure like where the sales are coming from and what's exactly like what what you're saying in your conversations that's causing people to buy or who is it? Do you have five sales reps? Are you really sure who your number one sales rep is? Because there's a whole thing like you can be doing a lot of different things, but there's a point of diminishing returns and there's an 80-20 of everything. So trying to reduce and focus on that. And, and if you can improve your conversion rates, you can have an exponential increase in your business. If you sell one out of 10 people and you want to make 10 sales, you need 100 people, right? If right. you can just go and sell two out of 10, all of a sudden you only need 50 people. So your demands, because everybody that you talk to in business thinks they have an exposure issue. They, they all think that I need more, I need more, tra and we call that traffic. I need more traffic, which is eyeballs, right? I need more attention. I need more eyeballs. I need more traffic. I need more foot traffic through my store. I need more. No, I guarantee your bucket, your business is leaking like a sieve. You've leads just oozing and slipping away from everywhere. You need to tighten up your conversion. So team is one. Conversion would be the second. And then you've got traffic. That would be the third. And that would be then you you want to improve your traffic. You want to start you want to start getting more exposure in that because it can help and you can attract opportunities that you don't even expect. Some of the biggest wins that I've had came from total, when I said I was working for John, that was not, like when I went and helped him out, it was not what my intended path was at the time, but the offer that he made me superseded anything else that I had on the table, you know, and obviously now when you heard my story, like, you know, I get to say that I, I helped generate millions of dollars, which I couldn't have said before that and since then, I've been able to repeat that success. So that's, that's a phenomenal thing and that just happened as a result of being out getting, you know, and I, again, I'm, I'm not a fan of branding, but it's about getting out there in that sense, pushing your offer out there, having people know what you do and what you're about. Yeah. So that's that one. Where, 
where were you seeing leads slipping through the cracks? Where what, what's a what's a basic one? Well, you know, I know it's a general statement, but just curious, like what what's something that you've seen easy easy low hanging fruit for you? Sure. Well, here, you know, I'll I'll give an example because this is actually a, a, it's almost like a frustration. It makes me want to go and become like a business guru for restauranteurs. Because I go, I'm a good buyer. I go in, I can't enjoy a meal at a restaurant. Like I remember I was at a, uh, it was some special event. I was buying my girlfriend dinner. We went to this Indian restaurant and I couldn't relax because this was really nice, really fancy Indian restaurant. It's a beautiful place. Probably could have sat 50 or 80 people in there. There were three couples and it was 6 p.m. on like a Tuesday night or like Wednesday night. Like it was like, this is go time. Like this is when, you know what I mean? Like this is dinner time. This is the dinner time rush. Where's the rush? And I knew because the place was so nice and it was a new business had been open like four or five months and everything I could tell was like nice and new and the owner had spared no expense and had this great restaurant and I just knew he was like freaking out in the back office. Like, you know what I mean? Because he's got staff, he's got the cost of overhead. Did he buy all this stuff cash? Is he making payments on it? I don't even know what his rent is. And he's going to make what? 80 bucks on my meal and these other two people's meals. So he's going to, you know what I mean? Like he's not even, it's not even going to cover his expenses for the hour. And then the place is going to sit empty all night. So I just couldn't handle it. And I bought my food and I bought everything that I could feasibly eat and drink because I wanted to help the business out. And I knew it when we finished and we got up to leave, they just said bye. And they waved us and let us walk out the door. So that's a great example because everybody knows businesses need repeat customers or regulars and that they help in having that they help in having sustainability in your business. But so many businesses either a sell one-off products and which only gets you money today, does nothing to guarantee sales later. So subscription programs and something that has repeat sales built into it is really important Two, like every time I go into a restaurant, I just, it boggles my mind why more of them don't do some sort of loyalty program. It would be so easy to train your waiters, waiters or waitresses to be like, hi, is this your first time here? Oh, did you want to know that you could get your drinks for free today? You get a free drink. All you have to do is join our loyalty program. And to do that, all I need is a piece of photo ID. Oh, okay, perfect. Thanks. Photo ID's got their birthday. It's got their address. got their full name. You get their email address as well. Now you can mail them a happy birthday coupon and tell them that, you know, for them and their friends that come, they get a free lunch and their friends get 10% discount to come to your restaurant. That alone could grow the business, right? And now, same thing. The restaurant, take this guy's restaurant slow. It's five times they say, I don't know if this is true, but they say it's five times harder to get a new customer than get an old one to come back to you. Think of it in terms of dating. How hard does it go on a second date with someone versus get a first date? Do you know what I mean? Like, it's like that. And yeah. so yeah. I went in the restaurant. I bought some food. If someone had just been, hey, it's your first time you wanting to get you and your girlfriend's drink for free? Sure. Here. I always sign up for these things because I want to see what people are doing. But they don't do that. So I come. I spend my money. I leave. And this owner's going to be like, we need to do something. We need to do some marketing. Let's make a Facebook page. Let's put an ad in the newspaper. Talking to people that don't know them, don't like them, don't trust them as opposed to just taking better care of the people that are actually giving them business like me, you know, like that would have been a phenomenal thing. And now if you get, now if you get my phone number, you could text me a coupon every Monday or email me a coupon or, you know, again, same thing, you know, you build up a list and sales Tuesday nights are usually a slow night. So all of a sudden, Hey, free appetizer. You get one free app. If you come in, order a meal and a drink, you know, and like, boom, like instant sales, instant money, but nobody does it. And so all these businesses open and flop and it's not because they don't get customers. It's because the customers come and go. And like me, there's a lot of great restaurants in my city that I love to go to, but I'm doing this interview. I'm not thinking about where to go for lunch, but I do have to go downtown and meet someone. And if I got a text right now or an email, I'm going to be like, Oh, maybe we'll tell them to meet them there. You know, why not? I got this coupon. Why not? Let's go. But they don't. Right. 
And so right. it's it's not that they don't do good service. It's that I'm busy and my life isn't re- doesn't revolve around them. And if they're not going to remind me why they're great and, and like a friend, like, hey, how you doing? You know, like just stay in touch like a friend. So that's a great example where there's tons of businesses that have examples like that. People that come through the door and they are show interest and nothing happens in the first week, two weeks with them and you forget about them. I know I have mentors that have had email lists that have people that buy after being on their email list for eight years, buy like multi-thousand dollar packages. And it's like they've never bought anything else before, but they've been on the email list for eight years. And it's like, that's an example of, you know what I mean? That's an example of someone that just sits there and nothing made sense for them. The timing wasn't right. People buy when they're ready to buy, not when you're ready to sell. So anyways, that's, that's a great example for, you know, yeah, no, thanks. So for your business development, daily business development habits, you kind of broke it down, team, converting leads and traffic. Anything else? And if, if nothing else, how do you rank those? Like what proportion of your time would you break those categories into? Right. So we had so we had the team, we had conversion, we had traffic. Next would be definitely be lifetime customer value. So that's like the the val- dollar value a customer is for you. Can you do something to make them more valuable to you overall? And then the th- fifth thing would be testing new approaches. So Geico for 15 years at least has had 15 minutes can save you 15% on car insurance as their thing and you've never heard anything else from them. Because that's the offer that, I mean, it's not that they don't test. They spend a ton of money on advertising. I guarantee they test, and even to today, test new offers in small little groups, like small little cohorts. But they stick with the one that gets them the most quality leads, most leads at the best at the best quality that they can do something with. And so that testing that new front-end offer, and as far as which one's important, they're all important. They're all important. Conversion is the most important one. Having a team is probably more important than that because the team will be there. First of all, in having a team, one, you get to leverage many hands make for light work. Plus, if you create operations manuals, now you actually have something that resembles a business because a lot of people, it's all in the owner's head or a couple key employees. They all, a lot of businesses have a sacred knowledge problem, which prevents it from being sellable, prevents it from being an actual business asset because it's really dependent on spectacular people. And if those people aren't there, the business ceases to function. So, so I mean, having the team and being able to train the team and focus on the team, now you're creating training documents. Now you've got procedures and policies and how we do things and you're, you know, and you've got a reason for people to want to stay because you're listening to employee complaints and you're you're caring about when their kids get sick. So the team thing is an important one. Conversion is more important than that afterwards. You know, then probably traffic and life, well, lifetime customer value and traffic. I mean, they all they're all interconnected. It's not it's an exponential thing. If you can improve in each area 15 percent, that would have an exponential effect on your business. It wouldn't be 15 percent plus 15 percent is 30 percent. Like it would be exponential. If you can improve your traffic by 15 percent, if you can improve your conversion rate by 15% and if you can convert can increase the lifetime customer value the amount of money you make off the average customer by 15% that would be exponential growth for your business but again most people aren't looking at their business like that they're so busy working in their business not on their business that they're just kind of doing what their business does you know yeah great point especially small business right i mean that's just it, it, you're just running doing getting obsessed with ordering furniture or whatever you're doing exactly right and and then to be honest a lot of it is the fault of our education system at least for the business owners because you've got people paid by the public by public by public sources on how to make you know what i mean how to grow in the private sector like it's a disconnect i had a friend she wanted to get a government grant so she could open up an entrepreneurial training center and give business owners free training on how to build their business. And for me, I'm like, that just sounds flawed from the beginning. You want to get, you want to get government money 
to open up a free center to teach people how to market and sell. Like that just, do you know what I mean? That just, I'm like, yeah. just something about that is just so backwards. Yeah, so. yeah, exactly. Well, talk about automated income. I think that's, that's, that's a big topic that I wanted you to touch on. And in the context of maybe listeners who are running a more traditional, like a realtor, right? They're not, they're transactional for the most part. I mean, they're getting caught, they're getting their, their commission on sale. So hmm. how do they, how does someone in that category, realtor or not, but just they don't they haven't developed an automated business it's not intuitive to their or, or organic to their business what would be what would you say to them how, how would you guide them perfect yeah that's a great question so i'm gonna first off give a phenomenal little tool that may or may not be and a lot of them you can get it for free that's revolutionized the business world whether people realize it or not and those are email autoresponders because an email autoresponder is not like the auto reply that like I email you, you're on vacation, so it bounces an email back saying, hey, I'm gone, I'll be back in a week, you know, and in case of emergency, contact my whoever. So that's an auto reply. An auto responder is where you can schedule a series of emails, basically infinity emails if you want, to go out on whatever number of days in between or whatever dates you want. You can pre-schedule for all the holidays of the calendar. You can basically pre-plan your marketing for the entire year if you want by writing your Valentine's Day promotion now and your family day promotion and whatever other promotion, your Christmas promotion, and putting it in an autoresponder and saying, send these emails out on these dates. And then you just add people to those autoresponders. And so it's, we call it dripping. Then the emails drip out on people. So that's a phenomenal thing. When I had my martial arts school, we had six-month and 12-month contracts. And so depending on which one you, sat, you signed up for, you would get into a six or 12 month autoresponder that like would welcome you after you first were added. Hey, welcome to the gym. Here's some, th here's three things you need to know to get the most out of your, out of your membership. You know, Hey, here, it's been the end of the first week. We're so glad to have you here. How's it been? How's your experience been for the first week? What did you love? What could we have done better? And what do you, you know, and what are you most excited about? You know, Hey, it's the end of your first month. Can you please fill out the survey and let us know your, like things like that. And you can get really sophisticated with how these integrate. You can even have kind of people do choose your own adventures depending on what emails they click or open. So it gets phenomenal as far as what you can do to automate business processes and following up with leads, whether they are opening emails and clicking or not. You can do a phenomenal amount of stuff with that, and it's a simple tool. A lot of them, like there's a few out there that are free if you've only got like less than a 1,000 people on your email list. So that's a great automation tool. And so that's why I say like a lot of the stuff can be automated by software. Now, business is a group of, a business is a group of people creating a product or delivering a service to serve another group of people. So it's always about people, but you can do things like, so, all right. I mean, I, I know that you don't want a super long interview, so I can be. No, that's cool. I'm no, no, try. keep going. But when people sell, a lot of times, so there's a great rule. Uh, it's the rule of 10,000. How would you handle 10,000 leads? How would you take on 10,000? How would you onboard 10,000 clients? How would you train 10,000 staff members in blank role? Like that's a really important concept to think about because if I'm baking pies for five people, I need a different set of equipment. I need a different setup. You know, it's a different mindset and approach than if I'm baking pies for 500 people. So you got to kind of begin with the end in mind, going back to which Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. You got to begin with the end in mind. So when you think about doing things on scale and automated, then you start thinking about exactly that. And so how would you sell, talking about the realtor, how would they build a community of 10,000 people ready to buy or sell real estate? 
You know what I mean? There's ways that they could leverage things that they've done. So what I mean is there's things like webinars, teleseminars. You could just have a sales page that explains everything. So in one of my books, Ancient Secrets of Lead Generation, I talk about my story or my – there's some research based on it, but it's also just my – there's also kind of what I feel just makes logical sense to me about how advertising developed. Because back in the olden days, a business owner was really just like a – or a sales rep was just a business owner. was really like a guy on a horse and buggy going from town to town, knocking on doors, trying to sell his wares, right? And we've got some ambitious guy. He's got a baby on the way or the wife's unhappy. She wants a bigger house or something or they want a, more horses or who knows what. And so he's trying to figure out how can I get through more doors in a day? And he realizes every time he goes to a door, he goes through the same spiel, goes through the same spiel, says the same thing over and over and over again. So he goes, you know, maybe if I wrote this down and I had a little boy run ahead of me, when I got to the door, I could get through the door faster. I could just answer the questions and get, you know, and either get the sale or not, move on. And kids start coming with orders and some come back with questions and he starts refining this letter until finally he's got something he doesn't even need to go to door to door. He pulls into a town, pay, this is before Benjamin Franklin invented the postal service, you know, pulls into a town, has these letters distributed, kids come back with money and orders, he gives them the product, boom, right? Now he's got a business and now that's scalable. And so mm-hmm. that's the concept. And that's the modern birth of advertising. That's why I say I don't like branding. I feel like people that do like brand advertising, and I'm not calling anyone out, but I really think that in some ways, at least for me, it's like hiding from results. It's it's hiding from that pressure of the spotlight of how many sales do you like? I paid you this much money. Like my clients, m- the vast majority of the clients I work with directly and in my coaching groups can tell they say, I paid Daryl this much money and I made this much more. It's very direct, very direct, direct line ROI. But if I'm a brand marketer, it's really easy to be like, well, we made you this really pretty logo that inflates your ego and makes you feel good. And we put it out there and it was seen by a million people and you got no sales, but that's because it's about getting your name out there and we're building your brand. Like it's just this to me, it's a scam. Like it's just a it, No, it's not. It's, it's not about putting my name and getting it out there. It's about yes or no questions. So I have something I call the food court test. If I were in a mall and I stood up on a table and I just interrupted everyone and screamed out what my message was, how would people react? So if I got on there and I just yell out like, we'll take ice cream, right? Because it's the example I use in my book. Get on the table, Baskin and Robbins. Everyone's going to look at me like, okay, that guy's weird, whatever. And they go back about their business. But if I got on the table and I was like, free ice cream. I have a totally different reaction. Do you know what I mean? One's brand advertising. One is like yes or no direct response, like coupon, free ice cream. What? Free ice cream? I want some free. And the people will come over and I've said, hey, here's your free ice cream sample. By the way, I have tubs. It's $3 a tub where you can get two for five bucks. I would sell way more ice cream if that was my style of marketing than if I was a brand marketer, just Baskin and Robbins, we're great. Baskin and Robbins, home for families, bad, like whatever that logo, like people like, what's wrong with you? Like, okay, weirdo. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, and that's <laughs> right. where, like that's, it's people to people and people don't get right. that, you know? And so yeah, in, in one example, you'd just be removed. And in the other example, you'd sell some ice cream and then be removed. Right. Exactly. Right. <laughs> and at least but you'd sell some, some ice cream. Right. Yeah. No, I got it. That's a great example. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it's you, that's a fit, that's a very good point where you can you can be paying all this money for building a brand and yet and just have nothing to show for it and there's no sales to show for it, I should say. Exactly. So, as far as automated sales, I'll go back to your original point. Automated sales can be done by one having an offer that you can use in advertising. I do. I have my own podcast, of course, right? Like like you, I'm a fan of content marketing. I'm a fan of giving value to people and building a relationship and building my brand and reputation in terms of that. Because that's what a brand is. A brand is your reputation. You have a brand with your friends and family. It's how you're known. People will anticipate how you will react 
to things. They know your brand, your style, right? So that's all there. But content marketing, it's really tough to be like, I would like 300 new customers this week and just go out and get them. So paid advertising is the main, like, main divider between small businesses and nationwide businesses because a nationwide business can afford to spend money to get a customer because they have a, hey, 15 minutes can save you 15% on car insurance offer. And they know for every thousand people that hear that, they get this many phone calls. And for right. this many phone calls, they turn this many into sales. So if they go, hey, we want to get another thousand sales. We need to get this many more people that fit this demographic to hear our 15 minutes can save you 15% on car insurance offer. How much can we afford to do that? Well, let's take a look at our lifetime customer value. We make, after all expenses, this much money per customer. So we can afford to spend in advertising this much in dollars per customer before we lose any money. You know, and so it's like it just becomes really like really clear. So by using tools like having a web page that explains everything, like a sales page or a sales video or a webinar or a teleseminar, you can have a hundred thousand, two thousand people on that, right? But does it convert? Does it work? And so often you have to start one on one where you can see people face to face, you can get the reaction, you can iron out the kinks, you know what I mean? And then go from there. And then start how do I sell one to many? How do I sell one to five, one to ten, one to twenty, one to a hundred, one to a thousand? And then the same, ten thousand. How would you handle 10,000 prospects? How would you handle 10,000 customers? How would you send to sell 10,000 people at once? Maybe you're getting on stages. Maybe you're doing an interview like this, but it's a sales interview. This is pure content, you know, like, and so when you get an automated sales, that's this, like you and I are doing this interview now, but someone might hear this years from now and still get value from it. And you can do that with right. sales pitches. I have friends and I've got, like I said, when John, when I set up an automated funnel for him and it's still making money because it's a canned and cloned sales pitch. Right. right. It's a very it's just a very it's not like and, and people have a bad feeling about sales like it's, you know, you can't push anyone to do anything they don't want to do. But it's like, hey, what are your goals? What are you trying to accomplish? Do you suffer from this, this, this problem? If so, this may help you. And this is why you should really do it. And I know you might be worried. I know you might be afraid. It's the whole thing. If you had a cure for cancer and your neighbor had cancer, even if they were really poor, even if they were going to have to get a, a loan to get it, would you feel bad about being like, you need to buy this? Like, go get that damn loan. I don't care. Call your kids. Your life is on the line. Do you want to live well, or not live? Yeah, I think people that have hangups on their sales, selling their product, they need to be selling something else because they don't believe in it. If you don't believe in your product, then you shouldn't be, you shouldn't yeah. be even around it. I yeah. mean, the fact that someone doesn't buy your product means that, it, like to your point, they're just not ready. It's or it doesn't apply, and that's yeah. okay. But there's tons of people. If you believe in your product and you believe it helps people, which is the ultimate goal, then you should have no problem standing behind it. You should be proud to stand behind it and just acknowledge that it's not the right time for someone, or it doesn't fit. They don't need it, basically. Right. At least they don't need it now, but they they they, they probably will in the future, or and, me in the future. And to speak to that as well is, I mean, just because you're 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 a thousand percent right that they shouldn't be selling if they can't believe in it. But if you think that you have something to it, then either give it away for free, or give it away for a discount, and get the testimonials and the case studies, and get the results for people, because that will give you confidence in your ability to sell because that's the biggest thing. If you can't, if you feel guilty about trying to convince people, I have no guilt. You pay me. My fees are not cheap, but I will, I will bleed to get you the sales that you need. Like I am tied to results. You know, I don't right. just clock in and clock out. Like if you become a client of mine, like we're in this and whether it works out or doesn't, like I'm going to bleed, you know, as much or worse than you to try and make things happen. And so I have no qualms about my price tags on stuff because I'm, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? And I've like you, I've got the confidence and I've got the case studies and testimonials. So and it's like that. Like if you have something, again, same thing. If you're not sure, you need to maybe just give it for give it to free and help people with it. And and that's where 
So we should probably wrap this up, but I think that's where people need to avoid. So first, anyone listening to this, my top tips for you is don't spend more than 70% of anything you of every penny you make. Do not spend more than 70% of everything you make. Leave your plastic at home if you have to, because what you want to avoid is being maxed out and being in a desperate situation where you have to make sales because that's just the worst place to be. Business is a ton of fun. If you've got like a part-time or full-time job that covers your kind of, you know, your little expenses and you're good to go and this is something you kind of dabble in. Now, business really does need full-time hours to be successful, but you can work part-time on your living and full and or sorry, full-time on your living and part-time on your fortune. To Jim Rohn saying, you know, you can split your time yep. and try to just wean into the as well, but just know that you won't get the progress you want until you can dedicate full-time hours to it. But at least if you've got your expenses paid, we used to call it roof and ramen. A buddy of mine just had a multi-million dollar sale exit from a business he's built over the last five years and him and I were like broke when we went to this one conference. I remember he brought a loaf of bread and some peanut butter because that was his meal for the three days of this conference and I were like laughing because we were there on our last dime and it's so funny because we had invested ourselves so much into this that I feel like we're one of the one of the top upper echelon of people that like you know have gone on from there. And it's the whole thing. In our days, we used to just roof and ramen, just roof and ramen, just rent and so mm -hmm. I don't die. Like, you know, and right. once we had that, then it just kind of became fun because, you know, I can't go on this luxurious cruise, whatever. But, hey, I'm doing what I love and this is great and I'm helping people by the way I want to help people. And, I mean, now he's doing a multi-million dollar exit because he's got more passion with AI and he's he's pursuing his passions. And that's just amazing. That's an yep. amazing thing. And again, so try to avoid putting yourself in a, in a really poor financial situation. Don't spend more than 70% of every dollar. Another great tip is if you can, squeeze yourself on purpose to get a month ahead on all your bills. Get ahead on your rent. Get ahead on your cell phone bill, on your internet, all that. Squeeze yourself this month if you can and just pick one at a time if you have to and just get 30 days ahead on all of them because then if things hit the fan – Whew, I'm just not paying bills this month. And then when you get back on your feet, right, then make it happen again. It's just if you just practice those two things, pay your bills early and and not spend more than 70 percent of what you make. I mean, right there, you give yourself a beautiful little cushion that you can have a business that you play with on the side. And then it becomes fun because you're not you're not building up this massive debt that's looming over. Your, like, it's just a scary situation. Soul eating. I've been there. It's a soul eating position to go. And I'm never going to go into debt again. I had three cousins that, you know, they needed a place to live their issue with their parents. So they needed somewhere to go. And I blink of an eye. I got a four bedroom, four bathroom apartment in Toronto or sorry, four bedroom, four bath house in Toronto paid for the whole year in rent in full, move them in, move me in, got furniture, all that stuff. And I tell you, that is a life-changing experience to be able to go from having, when I did have, I had $17,000 in debt. He went back like eight, 10 years. I had $17,000 in debt. And now I've got like zero debt. And it's just a phenomenal, and it's just by, you know, people like when I win the lottery, no, do it when the numbers are small. That's like your habits right. matter now. The habits yep. matter now. So... Anyways. No, those are that's a great that's that's a great way to wrap it, Daryl. I, I think you're absolutely right and, and and get back to the basics. Keep your nuts small as much as you can yeah. and do those daily practices of do the hard stuff, you know, don't don't do the impulse stuff yeah. and build systems, right? So successful people one thing I, I'm happy to parrot is that, and it's kind of harsh, but they say losers have goals and and winners have systems, right? Mm. So mm. you know, to build those you gotta build those systems and it's not fun and it's it's certainly not sexy, but that's I think what gets you through and gets you to the top. But yeah. Hey Daryl, I'd love to have you back. Maybe we can continue this conversation again. Sure. Sounds like a plan. You know how to reach me. 
Yeah. So, so just so everybody else knows how to reach you real quick, why don't you, you know, please let, just give us a couple seconds on the best place to reach out to you for our audience so they can tap into you. Sure. If you have any questions, you can email support at bestbusinesscoach.ca. You can also check out my podcast, The Best Business Podcast with Daryl Urbanski. And it's not because this is a phenomenal one. That's not at all. It was keyword <laughs> research. It was keyword yeah, research. Yeah, Everyone's good. searching for the best business, right? So I'm like, yeah, all right, yeah. that's what we're calling it. That's cool. But you can also just look me up on – so we're on pretty much every social media platform, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, Pinterest, Daryl, D-A-R-Y-L, last name Urbanski, Urban, U-R-B-A-N-S-K-I. Look me up. Follow. I will give out a ton of free content to help people. We do have programs and stuff for things that make sense for people. If it doesn't make sense, that's fine. Just take the free stuff and you know, I wish you all the best. And really, that's it. Email support at bestbusinesscoach.ca. Look me up on social media or just, again, tune in because I'll probably be back here with Reed. Thanks again, Daryl. Thank you. You've reached the end of our interview. Now, first, let me thank you for listening. I appreciate and respect you more than you'll ever know. And now I'd like to ask you a couple of questions. First, what three lessons did you just learn? What three aha moments just jumped out at you? Second, What can you implement for yourself and your business in the next 24 hours? Third, what can you give to someone else to help you with or give them to just do it for you? Whatever it is, remember taking action is the secret sauce to results. Now, if you think this interview would be helpful for a friend, please give them a link to it. It'll help them and it'll help me too. I'd also like to invite you to help me find out more about the challenges you're facing, your dreams, your goals, and how I can help you overcome what's holding you back. We both do better when we know better, and your success is my success. So please reach out and interact. You can visit our website, bestbusinesscoach.ca for Canada or California, where I'm from and where I'm living. You're welcome to also try out one of our paid programs. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, and pretty much every other social media channel you can think of. You should also subscribe to the podcast. And if you're enjoying them, please leave us a nice review. It really helps. That's all for now. Once again, thank you. Take care of yourself. And remember, the world needs the best business you can build. And I believe in you.